Hey guys, Coach Vlog, Coach Gus, and uh, yeah, here for another episode of the CVP podcast. Today we're going to cover um, yeah a little bit about Coach Gus. Uh, from there, we'll have a bit of a yarn about your goals as a member without putting them into your head. Essentially, what we want to see uh, from our members at CVP, and then. The most important part of this uh, podcast will be the speed round times three at the end. We'll, uh, we'll touch on that when we get to it. Yep. Uh, yeah, so first up, like I said, going to have a chat with Gus, just a little bit about him, how old he is, where he was born, all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, Gus, how old are you? I'm 21 years old, and I was born in a little town called Birchett, which is near another little town called Witchy Proof. <laughs> <laughs> Any you know, towns that anyone's going to know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, like these little towns are about 45 minutes out of Swan Hill, which is another little town, which is just on the border of uh, Victoria and New South Wales, um, which is, uh, I guess, relative where we are now, probably about an hour and a half north of Bendigo. So yeah. Um, yeah, I was born there, grew up there, and then from there moved to Swan Hill, which is where I've spent most of my life. Yep. 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 How long did you uh, live in Swan Hill for? Uh, so I lived in Swan Hill from age, I think, around three to about fifteen years old. Yep. Um, and then from there we moved to Bendigo, where I started year nine. Um, did year nine here, and then uh, got sent away to boarding school for year ten, eleven, and twelve. <laughs> Similar to Harry and Hogwarts, right? <laughs> Pretty much. <yeah. laughs> sent away. Sent away. Um, oh, cool! Like that flows into this next part nicely, mm-hmm. only because I do know kind of why you went there, but mm-hmm. um, a bit of a. Uh, background of you in sports like did you grow up playing sport what kind of sport mm-hmm. at what level all that sort of stuff um, yeah. starting from a young age so from about age two or three probably even younger mum and dad put us all like I'm one of five and they wanted to put us all into swimming just so we knew how to swim um, yeah. we spent a lot of time around water like we went to the beach a lot um, we always had like a dam at our farmhouse um, so they just wanted to feel safe that we could actually swim and survive and not just drown so um, I got pushed into swimming from a very young age um, and then from there I think I was about age I think five or six when I started competitively swimming so more just wanting to like going to local comps around Swan Hill yep. um, competing in a different car, couple of comps just sort of I guess using the, the fitness that I'd gained um, from learning how to swim so yep. Um, yeah, from there, spent the next couple of years pretty much training um, in swimming mainly. I did a little bit of soccer on the side as well for school, played a little bit of footy. Um, Mum and dad wanted me to do like a ball sport as well, just so that you know I could have, I could learn all the good things. All the skills from, uh, yeah, sports, yep. Yeah, so like, you know, playing in a team, because obviously with swimming, it's a very individual sport where it's yep. just like you in a pool following a black line the whole time so um, (laughs) it's a very uh, individualised sport it's about as individualised as you get isn't it there's not necessarily like uh, too many outside factors um, going to affect uh, the outcome of that event for sure pretty much just down to you yeah exactly and like you don't speak to anyone and your coach is just shouting you what to do next every time you finish a lap so yeah yeah. I do I've noticed that even um, with swimming now like the coaches sound like dicks (laughs) they just like the kid will get to the end of the pool or whoever will get to the end of the pool and it's just like, turn around, go again, what, however many strokes or whatever to the end, yeah. go. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> it's pretty hardcore, but it's sort of good because I feel like, I know for me, like I created a lot of discipline, like especially when I started getting to my 
you know, early teen years, when I was like maybe 11, 12, 13, I really started to hit my straps with my swimming, yep. training twice a day for like two hour sessions. So I'd be up at, you know, five, five thirty. Dad, mum or dad would take me to the pool. I trained from six to eight. And this is in your early teens? Yes, early teens. So I, I don't guess. think I know any kid in that age bracket at this time doing anything like that. Yeah. Maybe to get up and play some Fortnite, but no. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's yeah. crazy. That's awesome to hear though. Yeah. Cool. But that's really all I knew though. Like from memory, like we didn't really spend much time, like we didn't have like, I guess, Playstations and stuff growing up. Yeah. Um, watched a little bit of TV, but because we had, so we spent a lot of time outside on the farm, like me and my brother, like just riding dirt bikes and just driving old bombs and stuff, like similar to what you did when you were growing up as well. And, yeah. Um, yeah, so I didn't really know any different, and I did love swimming. Like, I loved the competitive side like side of it, which is the reason that I trained, because I wanted to get to comp day and just be able to, like, smoke everyone. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was sort of what, like, yeah, drove me, I guess. Um, so, yeah, I'd, like, be swimming to 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. in the morning. Um, I'd go, I'd probably eat, like, say, like, oats or something like that, and then go straight to school, do school. Mum and Dad would pick me up after school, and then I'd go back to the pool again for another couple of hours. And did you guys live close to the pool, like... Not really, like, we probably, like, we lived a little bit out of Swan Hill, probably like 15 or 20 minutes, so, but school was pretty close to it, so I'd go... Well, they're doing the round trip anyway, aren't they? Yeah, yeah of course, yeah. Exactly. Um, so I'd say out of, like, I'm one of five, as I said, like, out of all the kids, I probably got, like, the most attention, just, like, because having to be oh. driven around everywhere. Golden boy. I think about it now, that's sort of what it feels like. Yeah, and it shows, man. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks, bro. Um, yeah. But, yeah, um... So yeah, training pretty hard, like, you know, six days a week, I'd have the Sunday off, um, which was pretty much just chill out, play with some mates, play with the family, then do it all again the next week. And then... Um, and how long was it like that for? Um, probably a solid three years I was doing that in uh, Swan Hill for. Yeah. Um, and then I sort of started to um, outgrow the club a little bit, like with the swimming club, like a lot of... Like, like a lot of a lot of people know is like you're only going to be as good as your training partners really. your surroundings yeah of course. yeah yeah so when you start to get i guess to the top tier of your training squad it's very hard to keep progressing as fast as you have been yeah if you're the best yeah you've got really no one to push against absolutely yeah um both like training volume wise i was the one that was like at every single session yeah but then also the intensity into each session i was always the one like you know towards the front of the pack or winning the sprints Outworking, or, yeah. yeah yeah um so we sort of made the decision to make the move to Bendigo, which, um, like, you know, bigger town, a lot more competitive yep. um, athletes here. So I think I was 14 at the time, still living in Swan Hill. So you were um, the main kind of factor of the family moving from Swan Hill to Bendigo. Yeah. That's incredible. Was, which yeah. is pretty crazy. Um, I mean, obviously it goes to show, like, it's a merit to your family as well to kind of, I know a lot of people would be like, oh, that just goes in the too hard basket. Like, he's good enough as, he, as it is versus... Yep. Um, yeah, they were kind of like putting all their eggs, not into one basket, obviously, there's one of five, but yep. um, it just goes to show, like, yeah, your family will do anything to see, like, someone else in the family succeed, yep. which is... It's pretty amazing. Yeah, pretty awesome. There was definitely some other things that lined up well, like, you know, Will was just finishing school at the time, my older brother, the, the two oldest girls had um, pretty much moved out as well, so it was really just me and Olivia. Yeah, like, of course, yeah. Um, so... And most of Dad's family's here, and Dad sort of teed up a, a new a new gig that he, like he could work here as well. So and yeah. he wanted to he wanted to transition to a different job anyway. So a few things did line up, but I guess you could almost say I was more like the catalyst to like the family moving. Yeah, which um, is that last thing that was just like, yep, yeah, that's enough. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Um, 
Um, so, but before I could move, I still had to finish year eight. So I think we spent about eight months um, traveling. Dad was driving me up and back to Bendigo every single day for eight months. So back from to from oh, to Bendigo. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Um, I think about it now. At the time, it didn't seem like a big thing, but I think about it now. Like it's two hours. It's basically two hours from Swan Hill to Bendigo. So was he working in Swan Hill at the time? As yeah. Oh, that's okay. Um, yeah. And he would he would work like he. He's got a pretty mobile job, so he's got an office, but he can also work on the phone and laptop. Yeah. So essentially, like a, a normal day at the, in that time period was wake up, train in the morning by myself. My coach from Benigo would send me the program. I'd do the session while dad was just chilling out on the, the side of the pool watching me. I'd go to school, and then usually about lunchtime, dad would come pick me up from school, and then he'd take me down to Benigo. Um, so I would do like half a day at school pretty much every day for about seven or eight months, I think it was, so almost like a full year. Um, and then as I was traveling down, dad still had to work. So I was, you know, on his phone and laptop beside him. I was driving, like replying to all his emails and shit. <laughs> it was fucking insane, man. Like I was reading out all his emails. He was telling me exactly what to reply. Yeah. Um, you know, I was, we were a working man. Yeah. I was a working man. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, um, after that we, like we made the move to Bendigo. The full transition. Yeah. Full transition. Um, was living here. Like, I was obviously still living here, but I was here for year nine, training with my coach. And then the coach here in Bendigo, um, he was really the only good coach around. Yeah. Um, and then he decided he wanted to move on in life and do something else. Okay. So after a year, I was like, fuck, like we made this move. The coach is cutting away. Yeah. What am I going to do now? So the next best thing was Melbourne. So I was just like, all right, I've got to, tra- I've got to train in Melbourne. So... We literally probably did the same thing for six months where Dad would pick me up from school here in Bendigo. Yep. We'd drive down to um, Melbourne yep. at about like lunchtime and then, yeah, I'd train and then we'd come home that same night. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we did that for about five or six months and then we were like, fuck, this is getting pretty shit. Yeah, like, <laughs> I could imagine. Traveling every single day to Melbourne and back. Um, so, yeah, we sort of just teed up with a, with a boarding school. They were like, look, like, we want to send Angus down. We, we went and had a look at a few boarding schools, and then I got in um, with one of the schools down there. They offered me a, um, a sporting, like, they call it like a general excellence scholarship, but really all it was to go there and swim for them. Yeah. So I went down there, yeah, for year 10, 11, and 12, and just swam for them. And um, they were trying to build the, their swimming program at the time and try to get a good swimming club going. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, what yeah. was their swimming club like when you first got there? Like, was it mm-hmm. uh, like what you were looking for? Was it subpar? Was it more um, than you'd wanted? Like, what? It was. It was more. Like, it wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. I okay. thought there was going to be some absolute like jets in there. Yeah. Like, um, and really good athletes. But as I said, they were trying to build it up. Yeah. Okay. So for year ten, it was still still struggling like a little bit. By year eleven, though, they um, were definitely like hitting their straps. Like, there was some yeah. good swimmers in there. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Um, which was pretty cool. So, yes, yeah, just spent. You know, you tell them at twelve. I definitely still try to school, but like I'm definitely not the smartest person. I know a lot of people say they're not smart, but I was definitely like not good academically. Yeah, I was really just there to do one job. Yeah, um, to swim, swim for him. <laughs> yeah, um, and then I think like I think it was about halfway through year eleven, I was just completely burnt out. You know, yeah. swimming. I did probably not stop swimming all year round for you know four hours a day of training from age ten to age 16 or 17 yeah of course yeah um, it takes its toll yeah like mentally and physically like I was just burnt out I actually absolutely hated the sport because I felt like when I was getting to that point I was just getting forced to do it yeah but the thing I 
I just I felt so guilty for wanting to quit because I knew how much time mum and dad had like how much money they spent on me like they moved and the commitment yeah, yeah. Like, so as much as I hated it I stuck it out for another six months um, and then from there I just like was really struggling with like my mental health you could say um, and I had literally had to stop because I was just like getting to a pretty bad place with things um, so yeah I stopped swimming and then um, I went to the first thing I went to I was just like because when I was swimming, at, I was at a pretty high level, like national level. So they weren't, they wouldn't allow me to do any other sports. I wasn't allowed to play footy yeah. in case I got injured. No contact yeah. sports at all. Yeah, of so it was pretty funny because I made a transition straight from swimming to like the most highly contact sport, which is like MMA. Yeah, and I did that for like probably six months, just trained with like a local club in Melbourne, um, which was pretty fun. And then, like, I guess it was fun, but it really wasn't what I wanted to do. Like, I still enjoyed like, you know all the other areas of fitness like you know the more conditioning side of things lifting weights all that sort of shit which you just didn't really get when you did that sport so I literally um, yeah I remember I just jumped onto to um, Google and I just typed in um, like a well-rounded fitness program I think it was yeah and then yeah CrossFit videos popped up Um, I watched a video of like the CrossFit games and I was like this looks sick. Yeah, I'm on here. Yeah, I'm on here. Like this looks perfect and I remember the event it was like the Rich Froning one where he was doing like the um it was like the GHD sit-ups and they had like this overhead lunge to the finish line. Yeah. Can you remember that one? Where uh, it was just like, it was a really weird barbell. It was like with these big, thick, like plates on the end. I think it was like 2014 or whatever it was. Yeah. It was a sick event. Anyway, so I watched that one and I was like, this looks epic. Like just, they were doing heaps of different shit, running GHD sit-ups and then like a bit of weightlifting. Yeah. So I was like, I jumped on Google again. I was just like CrossFit gyms in Melbourne and they just happened to be one like two Ks away from... Where you were. Where I there at yep. boarding school. So I just started going there and that's really how, I guess you could say, my CrossFit sort of journey started. Kicked off. Kicked yep. off. Um, all the, like, the functional, like the, yeah, the functional side of training, yep. which was pretty epic. One thing I did forget to ask uh, yep. in regards to your swimming, like did you have, uh, I kind of know the answer to this, but for everyone else, um, like what style of swimming did you do? Like were you like a longer distance? Were you a sprinter kind of thing? Mm-hmm. What stroke? All that sort of stuff. Yeah, so earlier on, I didn't. It's really hard to identify what distance or what strokes you best. Yeah. But then when I started getting on like 12, 13, I started to establish, um, I guess, a pretty good name in two hundred meter backstroke and then the one hundred meter backstroke. Yeah. So I was more like middle distance backstroke was pretty good. Yeah. As well as the medley, which is like the all four, four strokes. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, so I was pretty good at that. Um, the middle distance sort of stuff. I did like the sprinting. It wasn't bad at that, but the thing that I, like, I guess I struggled with most was, like, the super long distance stuff, like the 1,500 meter shoot. Yeah, yeah. I really found it hard to get into that style of things, but middle distance was pretty good for me. And hard, why? Uh, Because obviously you're comfortable in the water. Yep. Um, Was it boring? Was it... Yeah. um, I... Just because, like, um, when I've tried to do some longer distance stuff, for me, I'm just like, I'm just kind of bored. Yeah. Um, I think you've got to be a mental savage to be able to just be in this constant state of pain um and boredom for so long like I've yeah been, absolutely like, yeah it was just so 1500 meter freestyle yeah i can't remember like how long it takes like well say half an hour 25 minutes half an hour something like that yeah something um, like that i would so yeah it's a long time to be swimming at a fast pace with crazy pain shoulder and your breathing's high as fuck yeah of course and yeah and you are limited to when you can breathe yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly yeah. um so like, there was a dude, at, and some of you guys might know him, Mac Horton. I used to train with him a little bit. He was at Melbourne Vic Center. He won the last Olympic Games in yeah. the 1500. Um, 
and he was an absolute savage, like six foot five, big unit, yeah, long legs, long big arms. broad shoulders, like yeah. typical kind of swimming body. Yeah. yeah. So there is definitely like I guess like a genetic makeup for different distances in swimming. Oh, of course, um, yeah, absolutely. It's like it's like any sport though. There's yeah. a, a makeup that is going to, for the most part, uh, benefit you uh, in any sport. Yeah. Yeah. Bang on. And or just, any position in a sport if you're in a team sport. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. And you'd find the sprinters were like. I guess a little bit shorter, like stocky, like muscular, I guess like a little bit like your build, like a little bit shorter. Yeah. But like Look, like powerhouse dudes, yeah. Yeah. And then the middle distance is someone who's like more my build, like Split a little the bit. Difference. Like, yeah, yeah. Pretty much bang in the middle. So, um, but yeah. So yeah, and then I, as I said, like um, transitioned through a couple of different sports, but then yeah, found my way here and haven't really looked back since. Yeah. 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 So that's pretty much like how you got into, like that's your background. Yep. Um, and then from there, obviously you got into um, training CrossFit pretty intently. Yep. I sure as hell know that we did some pretty ridiculous sessions. Like we would do like three and four workouts on the Saturdays when we would get a chance. Yeah. Um, by the end of the day, like it was just two guys in like the smelliest clothes sitting in a corner, opposite corners of the gym. We couldn't speak because nah. we were smoked by the end of the day. But just um, after that. Yeah, it was just like, oh, yeah, can't wait to do this again next week. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so why did you get into uh, coaching? Like, what was, yep. yeah, what's your reason for that? Um, I guess it's, like, a similar reason why a lot of people, to, like, wanted to. It started out just wanting to help people. Yep. Um, very quickly did I did I realize that a lot of people were being helped, but they weren't actually being taught how to... Um, sustain those results I guess yeah I do believe like people are being helped but not yeah exactly like you said like not taught they need to be learning not be given something exactly yeah and I feel like that's what like I feel like that's something that we do well here not to like toot our own horn but no man toot it go yeah (laughs) give it to them Um, but I've been coached by like a lot of different coaches whether it be swimming or like MMA or CrossFit or whatever it's been Um, and you're exactly right they want to help you like they they just, but they, they're helping you from, I guess, their own experiences, but they're, they're not necessarily trying to teach you or educate you how to hold on to the result. Of or, course, yeah. Or um, like how to obtain it or why and the, yeah. Yeah, the, all the questions. Yeah, yeah all the why. things. Yep. Yeah, 100%. So I think like that's something that I definitely fell in love with was, you know, generally wanting to actually educate and teach people yep. like how to get a certain result, whether it's, do you want to get jacked and, you know, 100 kilos of muscle or do you want to lose weight or... Yep. Do you know, do you want to be a healthier version of yourself who has got heaps of energy for your family or whatever? Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. Teaching people how to actually, I guess, navigate, like get and get those results. And obtain their goals. Yeah. Yeah. Like at different stages of their life. Because I know for me, my goals have changed a lot. And, yep. you know, every time that you change your goals, there's a different way of doing something. So mm. actually being able to understand like, okay, what do I want? Why do I want it? But then actually, how do I get it? Um, yeah is very powerful and knowing how to do that by yourself and um, not having to rely on someone else to give you that yeah a pretty big thing yeah, yeah yeah and that comes back to one of the CPP like pillars with like the responsibility kind of thing as well yeah yeah exactly yeah really cool um, so for you mm-hmm. uh, where's your passion in fitness like um, is your passion obviously like we know that you are competing and stuff like that I know you go through phases where it's just like yeah it's the last thing you want to do but that's just kind of how it works when you do try to compete at an elite level at times of the year Mm -hmm. Um, but like where's your passion as far as uh, like whether it is teaching people uh, you achieving your goals um, 
is it in like aesthetics is mm-hmm. it in performance is it in like what's like what area yeah in particular does that make sense yeah 100%, yeah yeah so for me like like the three hours three areas that i think of when people looking to to achieve goals are aesthetics the performance and then health or rehab yeah okay yeah um so for me the main area like i really enjoy like all three honestly but i guess like where my passion lies majority of the time is in the nutrition side of things yeah um, yeah cool yeah um and then the the strengthening side of things so i really enjoy for like when i'm talking to someone like finding out what is their nutrition like or yeah. what is their outside life out of the gym actually yeah. like yeah like their sleep like their stress management i really enjoy that side of things yeah and helping people move the needle in those things um, because i know that if i help people you know achieve things outside of the gym it's going to make you know your, I guess the commitment or the dedication to the gym a little bit easier or simpler oh absolutely yeah and that just as soon as you said all that then it just reminded me of one of those challenge participants uh, participants we just had mm-hmm. um, and just all it took was a few questions of understanding like their outside life to why you know their, their markers weren't going in the right direction yeah um, that yeah and then from yeah. them to obviously like be blown away by such simple things and we do definitely take it for granted sometimes mm-hmm. about like how much we understand about um, health and fitness mm-hmm. where it's just like oh like surely everybody knows that but they really don't yeah um, but yeah obviously by asking all those questions yeah um, you can kind of like figure out exactly why your markers aren't going in a direction that you expected yep 100% um, and I think everyone's getting a little more clear on what happened slowly but surely everyone's getting a little more clear on what healthy eating is healthy I'm doing the fingers the quotation <laughs> um, but yeah yeah, because I know I totally understand. Like, obviously, like we've spoken about, eating for everyone's completely different. Yeah. So, um, but it's cool, man. Like inside the gym, like, like I know you, I know you're very similar. Like, I absolutely love having someone, and it almost gives me goosebumps. Come in, and like I was talking about before, the three stages, like all of the three different goals, areas of rehab, mm-hmm. um, aesthetics, and then performance. Cool, cool. Yeah. Like it's almost when when I see majority of people come in, it's almost like they're in their rehab phase. You know, a lot of people that come in, they're super jacked through their back. They might have like shoulder impediments or whatever it is. Yep. And they're like, so it's almost like they're starting in their rehab phase of say, trying to strengthen the core, yep. trying to get some good range through their shoulders and just trying to get them, I guess, all around a little bit stronger. Yeah. Um, and I absolutely love it when you get feedback like, holy shit, my back doesn't actually hurt anymore. It's yeah. Like, there's nothing course. better than that. Yeah. Like it's something small, but I've had, I've been in back pain for, you know, pretty severe back pain for, you know, six months, like six to eight months. And I know how shitty that feels. Yeah, of course. You just yeah. can't get out of pain. Yeah. Like, besides when you're fast asleep. And it's dry, like, it's just like, I don't know, droning, mm. but it's just like, it's just this kind of constant dull thing that is, yeah, yeah it's kind of always there no matter like what position you're in or, mm-hmm. yeah. So being able to like help people like get out of that pain. Firstly, it's fucking awesome. Yeah, of course. Like, there's nothing better than that. Yeah, and, then I and guess, you, do, you yeah. do that with, like, building a nice foundation as well, which will bleed into our next section. Yeah. Too. yeah. 100%. And, I, and then from, like, I guess leading from there, like, once they sort of, I guess you could say they're, like, they're rehabbed or yeah. whatever you want to say, their body's stronger, they're feeling better. Yeah, and they feel confident. Yeah. yeah. Um, a lot of people can go either way, but I find majority of people go into, like, more, the, like... I guess the performance side of things, they're like, I just want to get like, you know, faster times or I want to lift more. That's in our scenario though. Yeah, of course. Like, yeah. It's different for everyone. Yeah. Like, if you went into like a Globo gym, like you would find that they don't give two shits about, and this isn't everyone, but <laughs> that that's not a marker. It's yep. just because of the way, like that's the niche that we attract is people that genuinely like, do you want to be the, 
whether it be the biggest, the fastest, or the best, or, or the fittest mm. that you can physically be, like, that's what we do. Yeah. So that's, like, I suppose that's kind of the person that we attract. Yeah, So we would sure. see that more than, like I said, if you walked into a 24-7 gym and um, you would notice that it's more aesthetics-based. Yeah. Um, hence, the yeah. mirrors. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I um, think, like, like, I think at CVP, like, it's it's well-balanced between both. Like, I know that the old gym that I was at, it was a lot more performance-based. Of course, yeah. So we only had performance metrics, pretty much. But that was traditional CrossFit, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, where it's just, like, I think what where CrossFit went wrong is that brand was 3, 2, 1, go, let's race. Yeah. And then to come back from something that you've instilled for so long, it's just no coming back. Yeah. So I think, like, as, as far as CVP went, it was, like, I'm really glad we didn't go down there because um, it kind of got to a point where we can train people at the right intensity because yeah. it's like uh, I think like the definition of CrossFit is high intensity movements uh, whereas it constantly varied functional movements at executed at a high intensity yeah where it's just like yeah our, like our principles are still very similar to that but it's just like the intensity is completely relevant to that person yeah um, yeah Whereas, like, you know, we don't have someone who's, like, mid-60s coming in. It's like, all right, bro, like, you got this one-mile time trial. Like, I'm going to see you back here in six minutes. Yeah. Like, no. Yeah. Like, we're not going to make even, like, look, if they have the capacity to run, no worries, go for it. But it's just, like, just get through the run mm-hmm. if that's your capacity. Or if they're, like, a runner from, they've been doing that for, like, 20-plus years, cool, they can push it. Yeah. Right? Versus, like, some of them are going to have, like, pretty shot knees or hips or something like that. It's like, cool, yeah. get on a bike where there's minimal impact or even a rower. Yeah. Um, but making that modification, I think, is super easy. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But it's like that was, that was definitely something that was eye-opening as well when I when I first started here. Like just having a chat to some different members and stuff, and like you know, what's your goals? What are you focusing on? Yeah. And like you know, half and half. Like there were some people that wanted to be performance, and some people were just like, "Hey, I just want to look good naked." Yeah. And I was just like, "What? Like what is this? Like because from where I come from, it was just like, this is my times. These are the numbers I want to hit. Well, they were metrics, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah." But I like, guess, like, having some aesthetic metrics as well, like, it's been, I don't know, it's been, like, a change, but it's been pretty sick refreshing. to see. Yeah. yeah like, th- to see that, like, you cater for both, like, both performance and yeah. both, like, if you want to look good, like, let's fucking do that. Like, yeah, absolutely. And you're always getting the same results doing the stuff we're doing anyway, but I guess it's more just, like, a mental switch of, like, what's the focus, if that makes sense. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Cool. All right, um, next up, I want to talk in, I mean, that's obviously a good background on yourself. Yep. Um... We'll quickly shoot through this bit um, and get through our speed rounds. Uh, so just, this is directed like directly at our members. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much like as coaches, uh, without putting me into your head, like these are what your goals are as a member. Like obviously you have what we just spoke about, the performance, the aesthetics, or the uh, health and rehab kind of um, goals. But yep. as a coach, like what we want to see from members. So first cab off the rank uh, is like body awareness. So this is one thing, and I know a lot of people, I mean, they could take this the wrong way, but if you do reach out to us, and obviously we can explain this a little bit further, but as a coach, we can tell people that have played sport or um, one of the biggest ones would be a gymnast or a dancer. Uh, And this is the body awareness thing. So asking them to move their body into a position whether it's a gymnast or a dancer bang like they are phenomenal at it because they've instilled these habits from young age um versus uh other sports whether it be ball sports i mean you do learn a lot of coordination and stuff like that you can pick things up relatively fast but Mm -hmm. the movement quality isn't going to be there from the get-go 
and then someone who hasn't played sport at all, okay, so their coordination is going to be at a lower level. Um, they're going to learn it slower, and this is if they have not done this during the ages of between five and 15. Mm-hmm. Um, but like what we want to seen as number one goal of our members is is body awareness mm-hmm. um, before anything else yeah so that hence like while we run people through our fundamentals program is to teach them you know what they're looking for what they're looking to feel in a certain movement mm-hmm. um, 100%. just and stuff like that um, but yeah I think the biggest one is feeling a position mm. like does this feel right and once you learn that, like that's when things really start to get better. Yep. Um, and you can really start to increase your performance markers in that sense. Oh, totally. And I feel like the hardest thing, like I, I guess like Olympic lifting is a good example because body awareness and Olympic lifting is usually the last thing to come through. Oh, absolutely. The technical yeah. movement. Yeah. Um, there's so much shit going on. There's so many different positions that you've actually got to hit. Yeah. Um, but it's also one of the coolest... I guess it's one of also like the easiest ways to see if someone has really good body awareness or not. Oh, of course, um, yeah. For instance, if you're going to set up like in your clean position or your deadlift position, you're like, all right, drop your hips. Yeah. And they don't do it. Yeah. Drop your hips. And it still doesn't happen. You're like, okay, like maybe we need to focus more on like getting you into the right positions to help you with your body awareness yeah. before anything else. Like we obviously would go through a few different cues, whether it's like drop your hips, bum down, sit. Like, yeah. Chest up, <laughs> whatever it is. Sit. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah little things like that but then yeah using um, like getting them to try feel different positions is probably yeah a pretty important one Um, movement quality I mean what what does that mean to you as a coach and like why is that so important for members yep Um, so when I think about movement quality essentially we're talking about like technique um, which is I guess the same thing Um, when I'm looking at like I guess the, big, the biggest reason that you want to focus on your movement quality or your technique is so you're actually working the correct muscle groups. Um, for instance, for a... And, yeah, and obviously safely. Yeah. And safely, yeah. yeah. Um, the last thing you want to be doing is moving like shit, working the wrong muscle groups out of position, and then you just get injured all of a sudden. Yeah. Which is what majority of people do. Yeah. For instance, the deadlift is teaching us how to pick something safely off the floor to our hip height so that we can carry it along. Yeah, and, like, um, and the point of a deadlift is to be heavy. Yeah. Um... Yeah, like when we do some of our aerobic work and whatnot, but like the the reason that was invented mm-hmm. was to train you to lift heavy objects from the floor. Yeah. So that's how that movement should be trained. Mm-hmm. In, like, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so if we look if we look at like the deadlift, I guess like teaching someone how to pick something off the floor, that's working our posterior chain. So our mid back, upper mid back, lower back, our glutes, our hamstrings, like all those muscles that run through the back of us. We're working all those. Um, it's trying to strengthen those as much as possible. Um, and so if we're doing the deadlift completely wrong and we're using our quads or our core or our shoulders more, it's just like, okay, we're using all these... We're contracting all these wrong muscles. The backups, yeah. 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 Um, and when we're out of position, we're at like a high risk, as we said, of injury. Um, and if we're training the wrong muscle groups, then I guess like, what's the fucking point of doing it? Exactly, yeah. Why don't you go squat again? Yeah. Yeah. And if you're going to work and you go to pick something off off the floor, like a heavy box or something, and you yeah. fucking completely root your back, it's just like, well, like... It is know. your own fault. And you'll be pleasantly yeah. surprised. Like, a deadlift uh, to the naked eye looks like a pretty simple movement, but mm-hmm. it's almost one of the hardest movements that uh, I've had to coach. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it goes back to the body awareness as well. Like, mm-hmm. when you ask someone to bend over and keep their back flat, 
and they bend over and look like a cat, yep. like a scared cat. You're just like, whoa, okay, okay like keep it, your back flat. And they're like, oh, I'm not really, like, I am, aren't I? Yeah. And this isn't a dig at anyone at all. It's just like, this is such a common thing we see. Yeah. It's just because people have no body awareness. Oh, totally. Um, which will obviously, yeah, go into your movement quality section as well. Like these yeah. kind of, these, all three of these will bleed into each other really nicely anyway. Yeah. Um, Cause I, know, I still like, struggle with movement quality and technique and like when you're pushing yourself to, you know, maximal lifts oh, or yeah, of intensity, course. like it's yeah. always tough. And I know that we've had conversations about, you know, like you saying before the three, two, one go timer. Cause the time is almost there to like, it's almost fucks up your movement quality. Cause it's almost like three, two, one go, let's fucking go. Like, yeah. let's go fast. Let's go heavy. And it is the reason, like, I mean, if you want someone to bring intensity and they struggle, and this, this goes for any gym. Like if, if you're in a 24 seven gym and you get someone who's like doing their circuit half assed, cool dude, put a timer on them, watch them go. Yep. They'll go out of the gate, three, two, one, go and be like a cut snake, like yeah. gone. And then you can just sit there and have a giggle at them because they'll die in two seconds. But like, yeah. I mean, it's a good way to bring intensity, but it's mm-hmm. yeah, about like finding the right balance. Yeah. Yeah. I know you're exactly the same as well with watching someone who's an absolute beast mover. Like there is nothing better oh. than watching someone who moves efficiently and perfectly. Like it literally just like gives you goosebumps. Oh, you it go gets you going. Yeah, you yeah. do. Like you, you could sit there and just watch them. Mm-hmm. I think that's one thing I love about like gymnasts and dancers. Like even if they've not done the style of training we've done before, like you, you ask them to do something, you're just like, oh, that is so refreshing that you know how to use your body. Yep. And that's a credit to them for obviously doing work at a young age. Yeah, 100%. Yep. Um, cool and then last one we have there is increasing mobility so again these all bleed into each other nicely but uh, with increasing mobility obviously it just means that we can maintain or sorry obtain um, optimal positions essentially throughout any movement so (laughs) when we talk about movement quality we'll talk about uh, let's just say any form of squat the most important thing to do in a squat is maintain a neutral spine okay and you can talk about squat depth and it's bad for your knees, but shut the fuck up, you're wrong. All right? It's not. A knee is designed to go through full range, and that's exactly what we do in a squat. Yep. Okay? Um, there's many, many, many different variations of a squat, whether it's, you know, a, a powerlifting style where it's quite hips far back, um, squatting to bare minimum to parallel and out, a traditional, like, Olympic lifting squat where they're going, like, they're fully closing over that knee, like ask the grass uh, mm. position and then driving up all the way. And then you've got all the uh, variations in between high heel elevation, uh, narrow stance, sumo stance, um, different bar positions and all that sort of stuff, which all put you in a slightly different mechanic. Yeah. But the most important thing at the end of the day in the squat is a neutral spine. Yeah. Okay. So when you walk into the gym, you're, you're in an office job, you've got pretty tight hips, low back, all that sort of stuff. Your squat might not even be parallel, but you maintain a neutral spine perfect that doesn't matter if the like that you don't have depth okay like we'll, we'll get there eventually mm-hmm. but obviously increasing that over time just means that we can work our muscle groups fully because like th- throughout the squat there's different sections of the squat where our quads are recruited in different amounts so let's say like the top 15 percent, and you're just pulsing out reps there like your vmo that big beautiful teardrop around your knee like that uh, there is going to be smoked if you're just pulsing that top i think it's like 30 degrees or something like that mm-hmm. um, I can't remember the exact angles but that is like your VMO is responsible more so for that portion so if you're constantly doing that you're developing just that section of your quad obviously a little bit in the others but like majority of that section yeah. like once you start to improve your mobility you can go deeper start to recruit other quads and then from there essentially like you work that entire leg 
upper portion of your leg mm-hmm. versus just the small section of it. So totally. um, increasing mobility is definitely one of the most important markers. And I would say definitely the most neglected one. Yeah. Um, oh, 100%. And the cool thing about increasing mobility is it can come through not only stretching, but just movement in general. Like oh, continually think, going into a position. Yeah. Yeah, spending time. That's all it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. Because I, I remember I like when I first started doing CrossFit, I was like, I need to stretch more. But I was just like, I found that it probably wasn't actually the stretching that got me more mobile. It was just actually, actually say for a squat, practicing the squat yeah. with a neutral spine. And I did that for weeks and weeks and weeks. And after months, you end up squatting lower. Yeah. Because like, you know, like we were just talking about, like your hips start to free up a little bit just from moving more. Yeah. Your hamstrings, all the good things. Yeah. A guy once said to me, he's just like, oh, if you want to squat better, squat more. And I was just like, oh, he's mm. like, literally be a weirdo. And he's like, when you're waiting in line for places, just like drop a squat and like hang out there. And do yeah. I still do this. Like, <laughs> I'll be chilling out somewhere and I'm like, oh, my hips are a bit tired. I'm just going to chill out in a squat. And I'll just be like sitting down, ask the grass. Everyone's like, what are you doing? Taking this shit or something? I'm like, no, dude, I'm just squatting. squatting. But I'll still just sit there with like a beautiful neutral spine and like still maintain my squat mechanics. Yeah. And then like now, like when I squat, I squat full depth. And this comes from like a very, I use a background in powerlifting lightly because I didn't do it for super long. But like, I was like a sumo stance powerlifting squatter who could just get the parallel. Versus now I'm down there, beautiful, like really quite comfortably. Yeah. Probably one um, of the best squats I've seen, so it's cool. Yeah, I used to sit on my radio when I was a tradie and like fit off PowerPoints because they're like the standard height is like 30 centimeters off the ground. Mm. So I would sit there on my radio for the first few years, and then once I was told this, I cut that thing away and I would just like sit in a squat and like fit off a PowerPoint and then like shimmy across to the next one. And I would spend like onwards of an hour plus every single day in the bottom of a squat, and then yeah. all of a sudden it just got good. Yeah. Um, that's crazy isn't it like I love um, I love watching like my my niece at the moment she's I think she's like one on one and a half yeah and like man Mechanics. watching really yeah. Kids, like yeah. just move like like that's how we should be fucking moving like oh, spine's completely neutral yeah. when they squat they're fucking squatting full depth like ass to grass they're like literally just sit down there for like half an hour just playing with their toys and shit like it's fucking unreal but anyone that tells you that the body's not made to do it is just kidding himself yeah like we are designed to move our joint through and healthy range is slightly different for everyone because mm-hmm. we do have uh, different mechanics and whatnot. Yep. Um, slightly different um, anatomy, like between person to person. So, like, um, let's say someone who's got like a nice stacked overhead position versus mm-hmm. uh, someone like myself where I do struggle to get back there. Like, okay, for me, it's probably I might have some indicators that purely block me from getting to those positions. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not necessarily healthy for me to be back there. But again, like finding that position where you can maintain optimal mechanics safely mm-hmm. um, that's why we spend so much time on, on increasing mobility as well and yeah. define what your end range is yeah um, alright we kind of dragged on a little bit but that's all good uh, speed round times three your answer then mine alright um, one of these I don't know much about but it's pure, I don't really listen to the news so it's, it's <laughs> probably one of my big things alright number one did we land on the moon go yes why? Why do you think that? I've seen pictures, mate. Yeah. <laughs> if, it's, if it's on Facebook, it's true. Okay. All right. um, I don't think we did. We haven't been back there since. Um, oh, man, I'm strong. Yeah. Nah, I would love to say that we did, but we still, we haven't been back there since, and we've got some pretty damn advanced technology these days. Um, and again, I don't know the logic behind this or what the finance reasons or whatever that the, the marker or the underlying factor to why we haven't been back there, but... Yep. Just because we haven't, I'm going to say no. All right. All right, next up, thoughts on 5G? Um, I 
I've really got no idea, but I, <laughs> I definitely know the 5G started the coronavirus. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and I reckon 5G gives cancer. So, yeah. yeah. I reckon um, we're pretty bang on there. Yeah, solid. <laughs> uh, last one, is Bigfoot real? Um, I'm going to say no on this one. Purely just because I haven't seen him with my own eyes and I haven't seen him on Facebook, so can't yeah. be real. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to agree with you. No, I would love to say that there's some big Sasquatch hanging around somewhere. <laughs> but, um, no, just because I haven't seen any legitimate images yeah. um, or multiple images or any real science behind it all. True that. Um, maybe if it was underwater and we haven't discovered him just because it's so big, but yeah. the fact that we're on land and we're just like investigating this place all the time, nah, he's not real. Man, I always think that when I'm swimming, <laughs> when I'm swimming at like Crusoe Res or in the ocean or something, like I'm like, fuck, there could be something big down here that none of us have just seen before. Dude, that's why I don't get in water. Yeah. Every <laughs> bit of water has a shark in it, whether it's like Crusoe Res, my pool at home. <laughs> I'm like, there's a fucking shark in there, man. It's coming up through the drain. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, we'll leave it there. Thanks very much for listening. If you have listened this far, um, yeah, as always, reach out to us if you have any more questions or anything we want to talk some shit about. Let us know. Thanks, team. All right, peace. Bye.